I'm Katie Davis-Hall-Watson and welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Today we'll take you behind the scenes of an investment scam called a Ponzi scheme with ASIC investigators Khan Finney and David MacArthur. Welcome David and welcome Khan. Hi Katie. Hi Katie. So David, can you tell us what is a Ponzi scheme and how does it work? So it's an investment scheme where the promoter uh, convinces people to invest in, in the scheme. Uh, money is deposited by early investors uh, and used to pay the first round of returns. New money is in, invested is used to pay older returns to investors. People are led to believe that there is an investment because of this, uh, when often there actually is, is no investment at all, uh, or the investment's not what they think it is. It's like a washing machine, and uh, money goes round and round. New money comes in to pay old investors. They put their money in, and they see the initial returns, and they're very good, um, so people are given confidence to keep investing or keep their money in the investment. Um, we've seen uh, returns very high, uh, promised very high in these schemes, as much as 10% a month, uh, which is obviously very high. So if you put in $10,000 in a month, you'd get back 1000 So that's obviously an obscenely high return. Mm. So Khan, tell me, where does the name Ponzi actually come from? Well, this is an interesting story, Katie. It comes from Charles Ponzi, who ran exactly the scheme that Dave just spoke about back in the 1920s. And he thought that he'd actually found theoretically a way to make money whereby he was buying effectively postage stamps from Europe and then he was able to sell them in the United States and make a a small profit, uh, only somewhere in a few cents in the dollar on, on the postage stamps that he sold. But he convinced everyone, a lot of people, that this was a way that he could make significant returns for them. And so a lot of people started tipping money into his scheme. And he started paying people, new investors out of old investors' money, uh, and really built up what would, in today's terms, be millions of dollars worth of investors, and then was able to buy into banks. And when the whole thing collapsed, he almost brought down a number of banks in the United States. So Khan, in the cases you've investigated, how do people get caught up in these schemes? Okay, I think the the word that comes to mind is trust. People just have trust in the Ponzi operator and the Ponzi operators exploit that trust and take advantage of those people's good nature in terms of getting money out of them. And they convince them that they've discovered, the Ponzi operators discovered, a secret way to make money. And Dave and I always say, you'd have to think if someone's discovered a secret way to make money, why would they be giving it away to other people? So how do they build up that trust with the community? Well, often they'll use family and friends to spread the word, and there's there's nothing better than a recommendation from a family or friend, you know, even just for a holiday trip, but it's the same with investments. So people think, well, if my friend's invested and they're getting returns, I want to get in on this action as well, and they feel like they're missing out if they don't get in on the action. Uh, But, you know, we see people who try to do the right thing every now and then. So in one case, we saw a guy who he only invested a small amount initially to make sure that the scheme actually worked, sort of $10,000. And then he built that up over the next six to eight months and and invested 30 and then 90. And then eventually he tipped all of his money in uh, almost $400,000. And the scheme collapsed a couple of months later and he lost everything. So can you tell us about a Ponzi scheme you've investigated and take us through the case? Sure. Uh, so one case we've investigated was a Ponzi scheme operator called Sonny Mathodji, uh in Brisbane, in Queensland. Uh, he was ultimately charged with 55 counts of fraud. Um, this was a joint investigation we did with the Queensland Police. 
Uh, he was uh, convicted in 2016 um, and sentenced to over seven years imprisonment. Uh, he was also banned for life uh, at, from providing financial advice by ASIC. Interestingly, he was actually a licensed advisor. Uh, he was only licensed to deal in wholesale products, um, but his strategy involved uh, trading in shares for a pool of clients. Now, he marketed himself as a very successful share trader and mathematical genius, uh, which he used apparently to do his, his trading. Uh, when he started losing money, he was trading for people. Uh, to cover his tracks, he started taking money from other people's accounts to put into the accounts he needed to. This obviously caused a lot of problems um, and the scheme ultimately imploded, uh, which caused uh, the loss of three point, uh, over $3 million in losses to clients. Uh, all of the clients in this matter agreed to allowing Mahoji to have uh, complete access to their funds so that he could trade at his discretion. Um, this was obviously a highly aggressive and risky format, and not a format that you know would be recommended by you know any retail financial advisor. Due to per the personal recommendations, though, and his rep reputation, you know, as a mathematical genius and expert trader, um, clients trusted him and thought that this strategy would work. Uh, this highlights that people should understand exactly what they're investing in, um, know the details and know what they're getting themselves into before they give people their money. So Khan, why does ASIC take on cases like this? Well, ASIC wants to maintain trust and integrity in the financial services system. And we often find that these schemes have a financial services element. The operator is saying that they're investing into foreign exchange or into equities, those sorts of things. So there is that financial services element. And we like to take strong enforcement action to both punish the offenders and deter other Ponzi operators. We also like to, where we can, obviously grab hold of whatever assets are remaining so that there can be some return to investors. But this can be difficult because often by the time it's reported to ASIC, a lot of the assets are gone. So we encourage people where they think something's not right to report it to ASIC as early as possible so that we can look at it. These are often complex investigations, however, and that means that we've got people, the Ponzi operator, trying to deceive both us and the investors. And so they can be lengthy investigations. So Khan, what are the penalties for running a Ponzi scheme? Well, there are criminal offences that can be committed if a person runs a Ponzi scheme because effectively they're just committing fraud against the investors and some of the penalties for fraud are up to 14 years. Recently some of the other offences under the Corporations Act the penalties have been increased and the courts certainly take a dim view of people who engage in this sort of behaviour. So David, what should investors look out for to avoid getting caught up in our Ponzi scheme? We always have to ask yourself is this too good to be true? It probably is. Um, you need to do good due diligence. Uh, firstly, you need to check uh, that they have an Australian financial services license with ASIC. You need to really look at the company and make sure that the word of the operator and your friends is not just what you're going on. It's important to realise that a professional website uh, and persuasive looking investment material and documents doesn't necessarily mean the company is legitimate. Um, you need to ask yourself, what do you really know about that company and the people running it? Uh, as if you're giving, entrusting someone with your hard-earned savings, you need to be really sure that you know, it is what you, what you think it is. Khan, do you have any other tips for us on avoiding investment scams like this? We always recommend that you deal with a licensed financial advisor and you can check that they're licensed on the um, 
ASIC websites. But if you're offered an investment opportunity, it, you know, get independent advice from someone who is licensed about that particular opportunity. And the good thing about dealing with a licensed financial advisor is there is always some recourse if things go wrong. There is external complaints, uh, dispute resolution bodies that can assist people who have dealt with a licensed financial advisor. There are more practical tips on how to avoid Ponzi schemes and other types of investment scams on ASIC's Money Smart website, or you can subscribe to our media releases to find out about the latest matters we're investigating here at ASIC. And if you have feedback on this podcast, we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts. Send us a tweet to ASIC Media.